Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. I just want y'all to know that I'm glad you're here because I believe I'm going to share something with you to help take your faith to a whole new level. But first of all, I want to say this because some of you got excited about your dreams, your goals, you're thinking about things for this year. Some of you may have even got the kit and you're going to put your goals in the notebooks and stuff. But I want to say this real quick. Don't share big dreams with small minds. Don't share your big dreams with small minds because small-minded people have a way of sucking the faith right out of you. But big-minded people, like the people in this room, they have a way of elevating you to reach your highest potential. So you got to be very cautious who you share your dreams with, right? In fact, I want to tell you a story real quick. This is a true story about a guy named Monty Roberts who grew up in California. His dad was a horse trainer. And he grew up on the back of this truck. His dad would just go from town to town. They were very poor. And they would go from town to town training these horses. Well, when Monty was a little boy, he's like six years old, he's sitting in class. And the teacher said, I want all of you to write a paper on what you want to be when you grow up. So Monty said he really thought about it. And he said, you know what? When I grow up, I'm going to be a thoroughbred horse trainer. I'm going to raise thoroughbred horses. And he said he put a lot of time and attention into this paper. He said he drew like this racetrack with bunk houses and little tack rooms. And he said, I'm going to live in a mansion. I'm going to have all this land. And so he turned his paper in. Well, the teacher graded it, turned it back into him. And this is what it said. F, see me after class. And he was devastated. So he said to his teacher, he said, why did I fail this paper? Teacher said, listen, Monty, you're a poor kid. You live on the back of a truck. She said, you said you're going to have all this land in the valley. Do you even know what land cost? And then she told him this true story. She said, this is an unrealistic dream for a kid like you. She said, go back and rewrite your paper and I'll give you a better grade. Can you imagine this? So he said he went home. He was so brokenhearted. He shared it with his dad. He said, dad, what do I do? And his dad said, Monty, I can't tell you what to do. But whatever you decide, it's going to affect the rest of your life. So he said he thought about it. He went back the next day. He handed in the very same paper, and he told his teacher, you keep the F. I'm keeping my dream. Don't you like that? (laughs) Kind of like a take this job and shove it moment, (laughs) which I don't recommend, but I'm just saying. Well, do you know that today, Monty Roberts has that very paper framed in his mansion in California where he raised thoroughbred racehorses. In one year alone, he made $6 million. You keep the F, right? (laughs) I'm keeping my dream. So I wanted to share that with you because you cannot share big dreams with small-minded people. So about faith, you know, the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Well, we know it's going to take a lot of faith for you to pay off your debts, get the degree, lose the weight, see the marriage restored, have the baby, start your own business, whatever the dream is. So how do we get faith? You know, it's interesting because the Bible says that when we are born again, every single one of us is given the measure of faith. Like we're all given the same measure of faith. So Pastor Jeannie, Pastor Dwayne weren't given more faith when they got born again. 
than me or you. We're all given the same amount. It's kind of like when you're born, we're all given the same amount of muscles. So have you ever seen those guys called the power team? Do you remember them? The big guys with the muscles and they like break bricks with their head and tear phone books and stuff. And you see guys like that and their muscles are so big and you think, now what's the difference in them and say the pastor's muscles? <laughs> I don't mean to put the pastor down. But, <laughs> but what's the difference in their muscles? And let's just say the average person's muscles, right? Well, the only difference is they have developed their muscles to a greater degree so they can handle more weight, right? Well, it's the same with faith. You see some people believing for millions of dollars and others believing to put gas in their car. And you think, how did they get that kind of faith? Well, see, they've just developed their faith to a greater degree so they can believe for more. Well, here is the number one method that God has given us to build our faith. You ready for this? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So I want you to think of it like this. Every single time you come to a service, your faith is stronger than it was before the service. It's just like working out. So think of every time you push play, your faith is stronger today than it was yesterday. So here's what I like to say. I like to think of hearing the word of God, like brushing teeth, which I just happen to have a toothbrush. So, but think about it like this. You could say, Terry, I have brushed my teeth 50,000 times now. Can I stop? Well, you could. But number one, it's gross. And number two, <laughs> little by little, your teeth are going to decay, right? It won't be overnight. It's going to be a process of your teeth getting worse and worse. Well, do you know it's the same with the Word of God? You could say, Terry, I've been to church for years. I've heard at least 10,000 messages. Can I stop? Well, you could. But little by little, your faith is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Because faith comes by hearing, but faith goes by not hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith goes by not hearing. So every time you hear God's word, you're getting stronger. So let me just tell you real quick what I did was years ago when I told you how I was in such a rut in my life, you know, how I was in debt, credit cards, car loans, my house was a mess, all that stuff. And when I finally started getting a vision for my life and I started realizing nothing's going to change until I change. And I knew the best time to run to the word of God is when you desperately need it, when you need a drastic change. So I set a goal for myself. This was back in 2002. This was my big goal for life. I didn't think I would ever do what I'm doing today. This was my goal. I said, I'm going to make myself listen to one faith-building message every single day for 21 days. That was it. Because I'd been told, do something consistently for 21 days and you can break a habit and start a new one. So I thought, if I could do this for 21 days. And then I thought, well, if you're really going to do this, when are you going to do it if you're going to be consistent? So I had to think about that. I said, well, I could do it in the morning while I'm getting ready for work. I got to get ready anyway. It takes a long time to look like this. I might as well. <laughs> you have no idea. But so, so I said, okay. I'm going to do that. So I went to my parents' house, and I got a bunch of their faith-building CDs. I stole them. I got a big CD player. I put it in my bathroom, and I literally grabbed a Post-it and wrote, push, play, and put it on my bathroom mirror. 
because I was so undisciplined. So I walked in there the first morning, I'm getting ready to brush my teeth, and I saw my note, oh yeah, push play. So I push play and I'm getting ready. And I did it again the next day, and I did it again the next day, did it again the next day. Well, all of a sudden, I heard John Maxwell make this statement and it changed my life. He said, if I could come to your house and watch you for 24 hours, I could tell whether or not you're gonna be a success or a failure. I thought, dear God, how? He said, you pick the day, but let me just watch you from the moment you wake up until you go to bed that night. He said, just by observing you in one day, I can tell in what direction your life is gonna go. And then he said this, the reason I say that is because the secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. The secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. Well, after I heard Maxwell say that, at the end of 21 days, I thought, I'm going to go for a whole month. Well, then at the end of the month, I thought, I'm going to do two months. Then I went for three months. You ready for this? That was in 2002. I've never stopped. I woke up this morning in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I pushed play while I was getting ready this morning. The secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. So now do you see why my faith has gotten so strong that I went from paying off the MasterCard to publishing books in foreign languages? Because my faith, every single day, my faith is getting another shot, right? So can we do that? Well, then I began to discover that the most successful people in the world, and I'm not just talking about Christians, I'm talking about in the success arena of every type of business, 63% of the wealthiest people in the world use their drive time to listen to motivational messages. So I thought, well, I can do that too. So I started pushing play in my car on my way to work, on my way home, on my way to work, on my way home. You know, they say the average American spends 20 minutes in their car on the way to work and 20 minutes back home. That's just on average. Well, if you push play, after doing that for five years, it's the equivalent of a college education. Isn't that amazing? How many of you are gonna do that? Push play, okay, good. So are you ready? I wanna share with you. Now these are seven steps to build big faith for big dreams. You've already heard three, so I'm just gonna recap the first three really fast and we'll move on. So the first thing I shared with you this morning was number one is that faith sees. In other words, you have to see your dreams on the inside before they show up on the outside, right? And we talked about the power of the pen, right? That the Bible says in Habakkuk 2.2, write the vision, make it plain on paper. Why? So you can run towards it. You know, how many of you have ever read the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? Okay, every success conference I speak at, it's like every hand in the place goes up, you know, because everybody reads that book. Well, in that book, um, Napoleon Hill talks about how years ago, Andrew Carnegie hired him to go out and interview 500 millionaires to find out if they had anything in common that made them so successful. So he interviewed people like Thomas Edison, this is way back, Thomas Edison, John D. Rockefeller, Alexander Graham Bell, Charles Schwab, people like that. So after 500 millionaires were interviewed, he came back to Andrew Carnegie and he said, they do have something in common. He said, what is it? He said, every single one of them have clearly defined written goals. Clearly defined written goals. Isn't that amazing? And again, God's the one who came up with it. So I told you this morning, 
to write your vision, to also put pictures to your dreams because it causes your faith to come alive and constantly be looking at them. It's not difficult if you keep it all in one place and every single morning before you run out the door to work or school or whatever it is, you just get your book of dreams out and you pray over your vision. I do that every day and it takes like three minutes. Well, you know, most of you know who Joel Osteen is. You've probably heard of his mom, Miss Dodie, and how years and years ago she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And the doctors gave her just a few weeks to live. Well, she said when she got that diagnosis and her, her body was just filled with that cancer, she said when she looked in the mirror, she just saw death. She saw this weak, frail, deteriorating body. And she said, I knew I've got to change what I see if I'm going to get victory over cancer. So she said, I went through the family photo albums and I found pictures of me when I was alive and healthy and energetic. And she said, I covered my bathroom mirror with those pictures. She said, I put them all over the refrigerator door and in the picture frames all over the house. And this is what she said. I had to surround myself with what could be, not what was. Surround yourself with what can be. And that's what you're doing with a vision book or a vision board. You're surrounding yourself with where you want your life to go, not just where it is. So you got point number one, right? The importance of writing your vision that faith sees. Okay, number two is faith speaks. And we talked about that this morning. Remember the big giant trap, the mouse trap? Okay, so here's the bottom line. If you want to know where your life is headed... Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. This is a telltale sign of where your life is going to go. Every word that comes out of your mouth is a prophecy of where you're headed. And you know, I actually wrote a book called Pep Talk, and it was all about the language of success. And I found stories of so many successful people who literally prophesied their death. People like, um, and some of them are so creepy and eerie, but people like John Lennon. You know, John Lennon was asked in an interview one time, they said, do you ever plan to leave show business? Do you know what he said? Unless I get shot or something. In a different interview, he actually said, I'll probably be murdered by a madman. And that's exactly how he died. You know, remember the rapper Tupac? He was asked in an interview, they said, "Um, you know, where do you see your life over the next few years? You know what he said? Best case, in a cemetery. You know, he wrote a song two months before he died, and the lyrics said, I've been shot and murdered. And he was shot and murdered at the Las Vegas Strip, exactly like he prophesied. And there are so many stories I could go on and on of people. In fact, I had a friend who told me that she had a friend who had five little girls, and she got pregnant again. And she constantly said throughout her pregnancy, if this is another girl, it will kill me. I will literally die if this is another girl. And you know, she died giving birth to another little girl. She prophesied it. So you can see on the detrimental side just how powerful our words are. But God's the one who said, call those things that be not as though they already are. So you can speak death or you can speak life. I recommend life. So we can do that too, can't we? Speak to your dreams. Speak them into existence. The third thing we shared today was I talked about taking action. Remember the Imagine Big kit that we talked about? And several of you came up and got the kit. Well, the Bible says that faith without action is dead. 
it's useless, right? In fact, do y'all remember the story in Luke chapter 5? There was a story of four men who took their sick friend to meet Jesus. And when they got to the house, it was so crowded they couldn't get in. You remember? Well, most of us, if, we, if that was us trying to pursue our dream of getting healed, we get there, it's so crowded, you can't get in, you would probably say, you know what, I guess it's not God's will because there's literally no way we can get in. It must not be the will of God. But they wouldn't accept no. They climbed on top of a house. Think of carrying a grown man in a stretcher on top of a house, tearing off the shingles, lowering their friend in front of Jesus. And the Bible even says when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven, and he healed the man. Well, when I read that, I think, how could Jesus see faith? Because faith is invisible. Well, what did he see? He saw their action. He saw these guys are willing to do whatever it takes to see this dream fulfilled, and he gave them what they wanted. So when you think of taking action, that means practically things like, okay, I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to read five pages a day. I can do that. I can take action. Or maybe it's, you know, the little dream book and you say, okay, she told me to write three dreams down. Now I'm going to kick it up a notch. I'm going to Google pictures that match my dreams and I'm going to put them in this book. Or I'm going to make myself listen to a faith building message every single day while I'm getting ready in the morning or while I'm cooking or while I'm doing laundry or while I'm driving to the office. So those are practical ways we can literally start taking action towards our dreams, right? Okay, so you got the first three. You ready for the four? Okay, y'all doing okay? Okay, so the fourth thing is faith stands. Faith stands, and that might sound kind of strange. I actually learned this message from my favorite preacher, Jerry Savelle. I don't know if y'all have heard of him. <laughs> He's my favorite. So I got this message from him. I stole it, and I just added some props. So, um, But faith stands, and what that means is you trust God. And the reason I say this is because years ago, when I was first learning how to dream, how to set goals for my life, I would put my dreams in here, and I started speaking to them every day, but I kind of had the attitude of, I trust you, Lord, with this big question mark at the end. And the Lord said to me in prayer one time, stop saying, I trust you, with a question mark. He said, start saying, I trust you, with an exclamation point. And stop asking how. The number one question that will stop you from achieving your dreams is asking how. How am I going to pay my debt? Seriously. How am I going to get out of debt? How would I ever get a job like that? How could I ever have my own business? If you sit around asking how, you will talk yourself out of the will of God. So I had to start saying, Lord, I don't have a clue how I can do any of this. But I trust you. With an exclamation point. And, you know, it made me think about how back when I was in high school, I was a cheerleader and I was a flyer. So I was always the girl at the very top, you know, flying through the air. But whenever I first started learning how to do stunts and pyramids, I was so scared, you know, and I would climb up three people high. I'd get up there. And before I was to dismount, I'm supposed to just fall backwards. I was always, you know, looking side to side, making for sure they're there. And then all of a sudden, I would fall backwards. And my coach finally told me, she said, Terry, you look ridiculous. I said, well, be honest, you know. <laughs> she said, you have fear all over your face. She said, you're not going to entertain the crowd. You're going to scare everybody. She said, what are you so afraid of? I said, I just want to make sure they're there before I just fall backwards. I just want to make sure. 
So she asked my teammates, are you there? They said, yes, our eyes are on Terry, we're here. And they were in position. So we did it over and over and over until I got so confident doing stunts that at the football games, I mean, I would just leap up there, three people high, I'd throw my hands up, I'd look at the sky and just fall backwards. And it was funny because you could always hear my mom in the stands scream, Jesus! <laughs> Every time. So I knew I was going to be fine. But, <laughs> but, you know, I thought about that when it comes to believing God for impossible things, how you literally have to throw yourself into it and just say, Lord, this is scary because I don't even know how to make this happen. But I trust you, Lord, with all my heart. In fact, Do you know the Bible says, fear not, 365 times in the Bible? That's one for every day you wake up. God is saying, fear not, there's nothing to fear. Fear not, there's nothing to fear. In other words, he's got you. He just needs you to dream, to let him do the impossible in your life. So that's what I mean by faith stands, is where every time fear tries to come in your mind, you say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I can't do this without you, but I trust you. Okay, number five is faith is grateful. Faith is grateful. Now, what I mean by this is a grateful heart is a magnet for miracles. A grateful heart is a magnet for miracles. Now, the opposite is true. If you complain, you will absolutely delay the dreams God's put in your heart. The opposite of being grateful is complaining, right? And when we complain, we literally stop our progress. It closes the door for God to do anything in your life. So I began to learn more about this and how the Bible is filled with scriptures about gratitude, like enter his gates with thanksgiving, you know, um, be grateful in all things. I mean, there's just so many scriptures about being grateful. Well, again, successful people have stumbled upon this principle of gratitude, and they practice it. In fact, there was a a guy named Joe Vitale. I don't know if any of you have heard of him. And he said that years ago, back in the early 80s, he was living in Fort Worth, Texas, and he was broke. He was so poor. He was living in an apartment that was $79 a month. He was sleeping on a mattress on the floor. He said he had a plastic table and chairs, and he literally had nothing but he wanted to be successful. So he said he went to the library to learn about success and he got this book and the first thing he read was, if you wanna be successful, be grateful. So he sat there thinking, he said he looked around his apartment and he thought, and this is his words, I don't mean to sound tacky, but he said, what the heck do I have to be grateful for? But he kept reading and it said, the more gratitude you express, the more abundance you'll experience. So he said he picked up a pencil that was sitting on his table and he thought, well, I'm grateful that I have a pencil because with this pencil, I can write my dreams and goals. I know my chance of success increases if I put my goals in writing. Then he said he looked at that eraser and he thought, with this eraser, I'm going to start erasing my limiting beliefs. And he said every single day when he would wake up, he'd grab a journal and a pen and write down something to be grateful for. And do you know, he said that moment shifted his entire life. He's now a success coach to hundreds of thousands of people. He's a multimillionaire, best-selling author. And he said it all began with gratitude. Well, Oprah Winfrey, same thing. She said 16 years ago, 
she started journaling her gratitude, where every day she would just write down three to five things she was grateful for. And she said, that is the single most important thing I believe I have ever done. Now, someone who's worth $3 billion who says gratitude is the single most important thing they believe they've ever done, my lightning fast mind says, I think I'll be more grateful, right? <laughs> but again, it didn't come from Oprah. It came from God's word. So God's the one who says, be thankful, be grateful in all things. He says, enter his gates with a grateful heart, right? Well, I started doing that years ago. In fact, at our offices, we have this massive gratitude wall that is filled with sticky notes, little post-it notes, where every single Wednesday, my entire staff writes what they're grateful for, and we post it all over the wall. Do you think it's a coincidence that every single year our ministry has grown 25%, 30%, 25%, just every single year it keeps growing so much, and I know it's because of our grateful hearts. I, wanna, I want you to remember this real quick. Do you remember the story of Paul and Silas when they were thrown into that cold, dark prison? They've been beaten. They've got chains around their ankles. I mean, they are in so much pain, we can't even comprehend what they were put through. And they're thrown into this prison, and the Bible says in the midnight hour, which signifies the darkest hour, right? It says in the midnight hour, they began to lift their voices and just praise God. They were so grateful. They just started thanking him and praising him. Now, doesn't that sound insane that they were praising God at the worst time in their lives? But it was so loud, it says the other prisoners began to hear them. And it says, all of a sudden, God sent an earthquake from heaven. The walls began to shake. The earth began to crumble. It says the chains fell off their feet and the prison doors opened up. A grateful heart will open doors in your life that you could never force open on your own. You got it? So I want to challenge you where every day you just say, you know what? I refuse to leave my house in the morning without spending just a little bit of time with the Lord. Even if it's 10 minutes, that's better than no minutes. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Where you go in another room by yourself with your book of dreams and you just praise God for the impossible dreams that only he can make happen. And you could even start writing in here what you're grateful for. Lord, I'm grateful that there's snow, but there's electricity. Lord, I'm I never thought I'd be so grateful for Thomas Edison until last week. But seriously, just thanking God for what you have on the way to where you're going will change everything. You got it? Okay, so number six, and I'll go through these pretty quick. Number six is faith gives. Faith gives. You know, Jesse Duplantis said he, a man asked him one time, he said, how do I get my finances to grow? And Jesse said, increase your giving. You know, I grew up in such a strong word of faith home that I am so convinced of the power of giving that no one can talk me out of it because I literally watched my parents give their way out of poverty, if that makes sense. Everything we had a need for, my parents would find a seed for, everything. No matter what it was, if we needed beds, my mom would give the bed we did have. Whatever we had, they were always looking for seed to sow. Well, you think about this. Everything I shared with you tonight, a farmer could do exactly what I shared with you. Let's say there's a farmer and he wants tomatoes. And he's sitting in the audience tonight and he says, wow, I'm going to do that. 
I'm going to get a little dream book, and I'm going to put a picture of tomatoes in there. And then he speaks to the tomatoes, and he commands his crops to have tomatoes. And let's see, he's grateful. He starts thanking the Lord every single day. Lord, I thank you that I have tomatoes. Only you could do this. You specialize in the impossible. I have tomatoes. He could start saying, Lord, I trust you with an exclamation point because there's no way I can do this without you. But how many of you know he's never going to have tomatoes until what? (laughs) He sows the seed for him, right? Well, do you know it's the same with your dreams and goals? Every single dream that I have ever seen come to pass in my life, I've sown a seed for it. Every dream. When I wanted to write books and it looked impossible and nobody was asking me for books, nobody could care less what I had to say, but I had a dream. So I sowed seed into a minister whose books changed my life. I said, I want that anointing on my books. All of a sudden, God sent me a publisher. When I wanted to start the Icing Women's Conference, I sowed seed into Joyce Meyer because she already had a successful women's conference. So I said, I want that anointing on my life. Now we have a successful women's conference. When I wanted to preach in France, I sowed seed into some pastors who live there because I thought they're already making a difference in that nation. I want to make a difference in that nation. Now I told you, God opened doors for us to go there. When I wanted to have a baby, and I'd already lost a baby, and we couldn't figure out what was wrong with my body and if I could ever get pregnant again, you know what I did? I sowed seed into every pregnant woman I could find. I hosted baby showers. I bought diapers (laughs) because I said, they have what I'm believing God for. And I wrote the vision. I said, Lord, I'm asking you for a little girl with red hair, tall like her daddy, smart like her mama, born in February. (laughs) I told you to be specific, right? So I said, I'm asking you, Lord, for this desire of my heart. Do you know God gave me a little girl, red hair. She's five, nine and a half. She's brilliant. Um, (laughs) But God gave me the very desire of my heart. But I sowed seed for every single dream in my heart. And, you know, last year when the pandemic first happened, and it just looked like this is going to be the worst year we've ever had at the ministry, Um, On March 18th, some of my team's here today. We were sitting there and we're hearing all these conferences are canceled and this is canceled and this is not going to happen and we thought we were going to do this and now we're not and it just looked like it's going to be the worst year ever. And all of a sudden, the Lord led me to a scripture in Genesis 26.12. Now, 26.1 says that there was a famine in the land, kind of like what we were experiencing, right? But 26.12 says that Isaac sowed seed in famine But then it says, and in the same year, he reaped a hundred times as much as he sowed. So I said, that's our scripture. We are going to hang on to this scripture all year long, and we're going to believe God that this is our Genesis 26, 12 year. So I said, I'm not trying to be goofy or super spiritual, but I said, let's actually sow 26, 12 all year. So we actually sowed 2,612, and we sowed it into several ministries. Right there, March 18th, we said, let's get it in the ground. Our first act was to sow seed. It wasn't, let's go on our website and put everything 50% off. Let's try to make some money. We said, nope, we're going to sow seed, just like Isaac did in famine. Well, that was the middle of March. The first week of April, Isaiah called me, and he said, Terry, the first week of April has surpassed the entire month of March. I said, what? During the pandemic? 
And my next thought was, let's get some more seed in the ground. So we sowed some more, 2612, 2612. All of a sudden, May broke April's records. June broke May's records. July broke records. August broke records. December was the most phenomenal month we've ever had in the ministry. December 31st, the last day of the year, was the greatest day we have ever had in the history of the ministry. You know why? Because we chose to wrap our faith around that and say, Lord, if you did it for Isaac, you'll do it for us. You're no respecter of persons, and we know we can't have a harvest if we don't sow a seed. So I started sharing it with my partners and friends, and I said, you sow what you want to sow. It could be $26.12, could be $261. You got to sow something that means something to you. Because I discovered if it means something to you, it means something to God. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't mean anything to God. So my partners started doing it, and they started getting breakthroughs. In fact, where's Dawn? There's Dawn. I just saw her before the service, and she was just telling me she, she got a hold of this 2612. She sewed 2612, came home from the conference, and you had a check in the mail for what? $50,000 during a pandemic. Is that amazing? So I'm telling you, you cannot outgive God. If God puts something in your heart, sow a seed. You got it? Okay. That's just a revelation that I cannot be talked out of. My final point, number seven, is faith rest. R-E-S-T-S. It just rests. And what I mean by that is, do you remember the story in 2 Chronicles of Jehoshaphat and how the armies were coming against him? And he was completely outnumbered. He was overwhelmed. And he just said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And even if I did, I don't have the strength to do it. But he said, my eyes are on you. And he just set himself to just worship God. In other words, I have done everything I know to do in the natural. I've written my vision. I've made it plain. I'm speaking to my vision. I'm taking action towards my vision. I'm reading. I'm listening to messages. I'm doing what I need to do to take action. I'm doing my best to not complain and be grateful. I'm sowing my seed. My seed is in the ground. Lord, I've done everything I know to do in the natural. Now it's up to the supernatural, right? That's what happens when you just say, Lord, I've done all I can do. And it's in your hands. And you have a peace about it. And instead, you just start praising God as if it's already done. And you know what I like to do is I like to praise the Lord so much that it freaks the devil out. Like, I like for him to think, did I miss something? Because I didn't think the dream happened. Like, sometimes when we're in Paris, I'll be walking with my friends and I'll go, can y'all believe I have an apartment in Paris, France? And I'll just squeal and they'll go, you do? You never told us. I'll say, well, in the name of Jesus, I do. <laughs> but I like to act like it's already happened so much that the devil's just thinking, wait a minute, did I miss something that happened and I wasn't there? But you've just got to praise God so much that it causes all of hell to freak out. Like when you look at your dreams and you just start going, I drive a debt-free car. Oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. My car is paid in full. Or a can you believe I have no mortgage? My house is paid in full? Just start saying that. Start saying it by faith. Just start praising God as if it's already happened. In fact, you ever watch The Price is Right? 
and you hear them say, you're the next contestant on The Price is Right, and you see those ladies jumping and shouting and bouncing, they haven't even won anything. <laughs> but they sure act like they have, don't they? That's the way you need to act every single morning. When you look at your book of dreams, you just start going, thank you, Jesus. Oh, my gosh, this is the greatest year I've ever had in my life. Can you do it? My dad heard this in prayer one time. The Lord said to him, the depth of your praise determines the magnitude of your breakthrough. The depth of your praise determines the magnitude of your breakthrough. So the more extravagant you praise the Lord, the greater the breakthrough, right? So did y'all get that tonight? Do you believe you can do this? I'm believing it too. And, I, and I'm telling you from experience, if you'll do this. Oh, and let me, let me tell you this real fast as I close it out. Do y'all remember a story? Um, I don't even know exactly where it is, but where the two blind men came to Jesus and they asked him to give them their sight. And Jesus didn't just immediately heal them. He actually asked them a question. So they said, will you give us our sight? And Jesus said to them, do you believe I can do this? I want you to notice he was putting the responsibility back on them. Do you really believe I can do this? And the Bible says, without hesitation, the two blind men said, yes, Lord. So I want you to think about that. Is your faith big enough that if you were to say, Jesus, can you do this for me? And Jesus puts the responsibility back on you and says, do you really believe that I can do this? Without hesitating, if you can say, yes, Lord, I really believe you can do this. Then your faith is big enough for the dream that's in your heart. If you can't say yes, Lord, with an exclamation point, if you're going, oh, I don't know, this is pretty big, then you know what you need to do. Push play. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And just make this a part of your routine until your faith gets so big that you say, yes, Lord, I believe you can do it. You got it? Okay. I hope you enjoyed that tonight. I would love to give away another kit. Does anybody feel like this will help you? Oh, gosh, I got to brace myself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I don't even think we have any more books left or I would have given a book away. But I think we have a few of those left back there. So um, I will be back there because I'd love to. I don't know if y'all are hugging in Michigan. In Texas, we're kind of back to hugging. <laughs> but um, we, can, we can fist bump or we can hug, whatever you want. But um, I do want to mention this real quick because we never want to overlook something very important. So is it okay if I close out with something? Okay, according to my clock, I got four minutes and 52 seconds. So um, I was listening to something. I just happen to have a little prop here. But I was listening to something about rockets. And they were talking about how when rockets take off, they actually use more fuel in the takeoff than they do the rest of the entire trip. Can you believe that? More fuel is used just in the launch than the rest of the entire trip. And they said the reason that is, is because when that rocket is trying to take off, it's trying to break the gravitational pull of the earth, trying to keep it down. So it uses more fuel right then than the rest of the trip. But once it releases that, there's no stopping it, right? Well, do you know what I started thinking about? That's exactly what happens in the spirit realm. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you now 
are breaking the gravitational pull of the enemy trying to keep you back from doing what God's put in your heart to do. But once you make Jesus your Lord and you start calling on heaven, you have now broken the enemy's pull and there's no force from hell that can stop you from living your dreams. So I want to close this service out. I'd like to have you all stand up. And if there are those of you tonight who are ready for this rocket launch, you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You're tired of trying to live this life on your own and be successful and you're just fed up with it. And you need this in your life. You need Jesus to come alongside you and help you do what you could never do on your own. Then I believe I'm speaking to you tonight. It would give me the greatest honor before I fly back home in the morning to welcome you to the family of God, to introduce you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus, who I cannot imagine one day of trying to be successful without him, just trying to survive without him. So why don't you close your eyes real quick? And if you feel like God is speaking to you tonight, that this is your moment to make Jesus truly the Lord of your life. Not just something you go to church for, but he's truly your best friend. He's the one you confide in. He's the one who gives you wisdom and ideas. You're ready for that relationship with the Lord where you don't have to try to figure out all the answers. He'll speak to you. I want you to lift your hands because I want to pray with you and introduce you to that relationship with Jesus. So lift your hands right now. I see hands going up. I see hands going up all over the place. This is your defining moment. This is your moment to make history, to change the course of your destiny tonight just by one simple decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Some of you may feel like it's time to rededicate your life because you've had a relationship with the Lord, but maybe you've sort of drifted and you're saying, I want more because there's got to be more than this. Then let's do it. Let's do it tonight. So lift your hand if you feel like that's you, that you want that closer relationship with the Lord. I see those hands going up. Okay, so why don't we all, I like to seal the deal in prayer. Let's all pray this together. Y'all want to lift your hands? We're going to surrender again. And just repeat this after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you tonight with a grateful heart. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart. I declare you are the Son of God. You are the Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I will serve you. And thank you, Jesus, for making my dreams bigger than my memories. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.